in today's psalm, we are looking at this idea of waiting and what it means to wait patiently on the Lord. And I don't know if you've ever had seasons of waiting, but I have. And I've learned quickly that I'm not patient. And so today we look at David's words and just kind of dissect a little bit about what it means to wait patiently on the Lord. I pray this episode blesses you. Hey friends, welcome to the Hearing Jesus podcast. Do you sometimes doubt if you're truly hearing God's voice or if it's really your own? And how do you know the difference? Do you ever struggle to feel confident in your relationship with God and what he says in his word? Do you sometimes feel stagnant or like maybe you hit a wall in your spiritual life? Hey, I'm your host, Rachel Grohl, missionary, author, pastor, and life coach. And I have been there. I too was doubting God's voice in my own life. I felt insecure about my relationship with him and I wanted to be obedient to what God was calling me to do, but I wasn't quite sure how to figure out what that was. I felt like I was wasting time trying to figure it out and I just wanted a way to understand his will for my life. The answer for me was found in the pages of the scriptures as I learned how to understand what they were actually saying. If you're ready to grow in your faith and to step confidently into the calling God has for you, then join me as we dig deep into God's word so that you can learn to live out your faith in your everyday life. Hey friends, before we get into today's episode, I have a quick word. I know that you have been frustrated with being confident in how to tell the difference between hearing from God and wondering if it's your own voice. I know, I've been there myself. That's why I wrote the Bible study, She Hears, Learning to Listen to Jesus. This is a six-week study that takes you through the book of John, looking at six women in the life of Jesus, how he calls them, how he encourages them, how he equips them. It also teaches the color method of Bible study, helping you to learn how to really understand the scriptures. I also include a lot of cultural and historical information that makes these familiar passages of scripture really come alive. This is a great study to do with maybe your teen girls or a group of friends from church, and it will really help you gain confidence in how to hear from the Lord and set you up with some tools that will stay with you long after the study is over. Again, head to shehears.org and you can find the Bible study on the resources page. Hey friends, welcome back to the Hearing Jesus podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Grohl. Today we are going to be reading through Psalm 40, starting at verse 1. I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire. He set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. Blessed is the man who makes the Lord his trust, who does not look to the proud, to those who turn aside to false gods. Many, O Lord my God, are the wonders you have done, the things you plan for us no one can recount to you. Were I to speak and tell of them, they would be too many to declare. Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but my ears you have pierced, burnt offerings and sin offerings you did not require. Then I said, Here I am, I have come. It was written about me in the scroll. I desire to do your will, O my God, your law is within my heart. I proclaim righteousness in the great assembly. I do not seal my lips, as you know, O Lord. I do not hide your righteousness in my heart. I speak of your faithfulness and salvation. I do not conceal your love and your truth from the great assembly. Do not withhold your mercy from me, O Lord. May your love and your truth always protect me. For your troubles without number surround me. My sins have overtaken me, and I cannot see. They are more than the hairs 
of my head, and my heart fails within me. Be pleased, O Lord, to save me. O Lord, come quickly to help me. May all who seek to take my life be put to shame and confusion. May all who desire my ruin be turned back in disgrace. May those who say to me, Aha, aha, be appalled at their own shame. But may all who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. May those who love your salvation always say, The Lord be exalted. Yet I am poor and needy. May the Lord think of me. You are my help and my deliverer. O God, O my God, do not delay. So Psalm 40, today's psalm, is kind of a mix between both um, like a royal praise psalm and also a lament. And so we're going to kind of see that happening back and forth. And we're really looking at this idea of waiting in, in today's psalm, waiting on the Lord, especially when we are going through something that is hard or difficult or some trouble in our lives. That waiting and the big idea of this psalm is understanding that that waiting is really an opportunity to open our heart to doing God's will. One of the things I always say is that waiting time is training time. And that's really what we're seeing here in this psalm. In verse 1, where it talks about waiting, let me read it again. I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and he heard my cry. Most translations you're going to read, I'm reading from the NIV, um, in case you are just joining me or you're, you haven't been with us for a long time. When I'm reading through the Psalms, I'm typically reading through the NIV. If I read through a different version, I will let you know that. But but for right now, we're, we're staying with the NIV because it's pretty easy for most people to understand. So most of the translations will say, I waited patiently. But if you look at the original text, remember uh, the Old Testament was written in Hebrew and then it was eventually translated to Greek. So, um, we're going to, when we're talking about the original language, we're talking about Hebrew. The Hebrew literally says, I waited, waited. So instead of waited patiently, I waited, waited. And so in the Hebrew, the doubling of a word or a term, it, it intensifies that word. So that double second phrase, like when you hear something repeated in the Hebrew, it's an indication that it's like exaggerated or intensified. And so when it's talking about waited, waited, it's not like this passive waiting while we're just kind of like waiting in case something happens, but instead it's like a concentration on waiting. And so it gives this idea of, um, how like a servant that is waiting on their, you know, master or, uh, their, what would you call that? Their boss, I guess, if you, you know, are thinking about like servants within a household or something, they're not just twiddling their thumbs and waiting for a command, but they're watching the expression or the gesture for the master's will. And so if you think about, um, when this was written, you know, if you were talking about, you know, say a, you know, David was a king. If you're thinking about like a king in a palace and he has his servants that are waiting on him, they are watching him 
for indications because in that culture, especially, you know, a certain hand gesture would mean something or a certain nod of the head would mean something. And we even see this now with the royal family. I, I With the passing of the queen lately, we've seen lots of news articles on her and I didn't know this, but, you know, where she put her purse on the floor, like if she had the purse on the chair, it meant one thing, but if she put the purse on the floor, it meant something else. If she was holding the purse, it meant something else. And so her servants weren't just like waiting for her to say that she was done. They were watching her. They were watching the master or the queen in this case for an indication of what they should do and how they should act. And so if we think about that in terms of, of waiting on God, it's not just this lackadaisical, we're just like hanging out, waiting for him to do something, but instead we're watching him. We're watching his expression while we're busy, we're serving God and we're serving others, but we're watching for him. We're getting our clues from him. We're listening to him. We're watching to see what he's calling us to do in that season of waiting. And so that requires this acceptance of both God's wisdom and God's timing, because you know, in our humanness, waiting is hard. Waiting is really hard. And, and that kind of waiting, the kind of waiting that God sometimes calls us to can be long and difficult, sometimes even excruciating. And so what we've learned over these last couple of Psalms, 37 through 39, is that leading into um, praise is often waiting. Like you have to wait for a while on God's timing, but then we see God act and react in a way that is so much better than what we would have done if we were in charge of the situation. And then of course that leads to praise. And so waiting while it can be very, very difficult, um, it's an opportunity to lean into learning how to observe God's clues and God's action and God's heartbeat in a different kind of way than, than what we would experience in times where we're not having to wait. And I think as believers, there's always going to be an element of waiting in our lives, whether we are waiting on God to do something personally for us, or we're waiting for the second coming, or we're waiting for God's deliverance in a certain situation for our country or, um, you know, a political affiliation or a job or what, whatever it is, there's always going to be this sense of waiting. Um, and then, you know, if we're talking in terms of waiting on Christ, that's a longing that most of us are going to live our entire lives with. And so learning how to lean into the waiting is so much better than trying to avoid the waiting. And um, there have been times in my life where I've been uh, mentoring young women. And it's very difficult, you know, in this culture that we've learned to have everything instant, instant food. And, um, you know, like even with TikTok during the pandemic, pretty much everybody got addicted to social media. Uh, it, it's like they say the, the, most meaty part of your content has to be within the first three seconds or people scroll past. We've trained ourselves as a culture, especially in America to want things quickly. And so this discipline of waiting on God is something that can be incredibly difficult for us, but don't miss that. And I think sometimes the temptation is to just want to push through the waiting and make things happen on our own terms. And yet sometimes God calls us to wait because of the relationship that we develop with him in that season of waiting. And what I found in my own life is that 
the waiting in me produced such a strong relationship with God that I, it outweighed what I was waiting on God for. And that's probably the first time I've said that out loud. But when we were waiting on our adoption, um, if you have not heard our adoption story, you can go back and in previous episodes, I talk about that. But we went through a a failed adoption um, because the country we were adopting from, um, there was just a lot. There's a lot of corruption and chaos. But in that waiting, it was a period of, of over five years where we just lived with this it felt like a dark cloud of waiting, waiting on God, waiting on lawyers, waiting on governments, waiting on justice, waiting, 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 waiting. And I remember just feeling such helplessness and hopelessness that it drove me to my knees because there was nothing I could do. I did, I exhausted every single option that I had and I did every single thing that I could do. No amount of money, no amount of time, no amount of flights no like it 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 was at a point where um even giving up sleep and money and time and resources and it got to a place where there was nothing I could do other than wait and so I surrendered to the waiting and as I surrendered to the waiting there was something in me that broke I remember being on the floor of my my downstairs we have like a family room downstairs just on my knees on my face just in surrender just weeping and the presence of the Holy Spirit I felt in that moment was unlike anything else I had ever experienced and as I surrendered into this waiting this period of about five years I learned so much about my Redeemer. I learned so much about the God who sustains us during the waiting. I learned so much about his provision and his peace and his hand upon our lives in a way that I would not have known had I not gone through that season. And and of course, we don't have that little boy in our home. There's lots of circumstances and, and things surrounding that story you can go back and listen to. But um, what I have now is a different kind of relationship with God than, than I would have, than I had to begin with, or that I would have had, had I not gone through that experience so much so that knowing the outcome and the heartache of that outcome, I still would go through it again because it it's, you know, you hear that phrase, it's not so much about the destination as it is about the journey. Of course, we would prefer to have that little boy in our home, but the journey of that process taught me so much about myself and my relationship with God that that waiting season became the the value in, in that whole situation for me. So um, as much as it's hard for us to wait, I think we have to pay attention and even be thankful for those seasons of waiting because of what God can do in our relationships at that time. I want to jump down to verse six. It says, sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but my ears you have pierced, burnt offerings and sin offerings you did not require. See, David understood that the sacrifices and the symbolic rituals that God required in the Old Testament law were not enough to satisfy this cost, this eternal cost of sin. And so they would never take the place of a true heart and and this true commitment of obedience to God. And so 
while God established the old covenant really as a, as a way for people to confess their sin and to express their obedience and repentance and their commitment to God, you know, that's how they reconciled themselves to God and, and received blessing and promise and all those things. But the purpose of the law was really to expose our inability to live up to the law. The law being there, it was impossible for us to leave, live up to it. And if you go through Old Testament law and you read through all of the idiosyncrasies and all of the, the requirements of the law, if that was God's law, God's law and God's standard, it was impossible for us to live up to that. And for us to realize that, that the whole point of that was to point us to our need for God's perfect redemption plan and salvation plan. And that would be through the sacrifice of, of Jesus. And so in the old Testament, before Jesus came, when they would fail to, to uphold the law, they, they would need to do these sacrificial and symbolic rituals in order to cleanse themselves and to make themselves right with God. But after Jesus came, he was the final sacrifice. And it's through Jesus as that final sacrifice that we can have restored relationship with God. And so there's this, um, that's called the new covenant. And so under the new covenant that was established through really the life, the death and the resurrection of Jesus, we can follow through with all of those things that are part of the Christian life and, and that pursuit of righteousness, like um, baptism and communion and worship services and serving God, but we can do all of those things on the outside without having this truly devoted heart to the Lord. And I think the danger here is recognizing that there's no religious ritual or activity or even outward show of obedience that is going to take the place of genuine obedience that comes from this place of having this active faith in who God is. And so when it talks about being pierced, the pierced ear, there was essentially um, in that system at that time, there was the slave and master and slavery in that world um, was a lot different than, than what we would think of slavery today. Um, especially like in America, in that world, slavery was a lot of times part of war and conquest. And sometimes it was even for protection. But when a slave was given freedom, and if they decided to stay with their master, they would pierce their ear as a pledge to essentially a lifelong commitment to being under that person's authority, their household, their provision, their care. And so if we're thinking about my ears, you have pierced burnt offerings and sin offerings you do not require, we're, it's, it's really just saying that we desire to hear and follow God's law and to willingly stay as obedient servants to, to God as the master of our lives. Let me jump to verse eight. It says, I desire to do your will. Oh my God, your law is within my heart. 
later in Hebrews chapter 10, it quotes verses six through eight from this Psalm in the Greek translation. So the Greek translation, when this was translated to Greek, would have been called the Septuagint. So um, in Hebrew, because the Hebrew was written in Greek, it refers to the Greek translation in this Psalm, in the Septuagint, and it applies verse six to Jesus. And so it refers to this fact that the rituals and the regulations of the old covenant were incomplete. And then through Jesus, the entire law was fulfilled. It talks about this in Matthew chapter five, in Hebrews chapter 10. And so verse seven here is, let me read it again. Then I said, here I am, I have come. It is written about me in the scroll. So that verse seven is referring prophetically to Christ coming into the world to bring spiritual salvation and to repair our broken relationship with God. And I don't know if you remember this, but at the onset, at the introduction to Psalms, we talked about how there are certain Psalms that are called messianic Psalms where they point forward to Jesus. Psalm 40 is one of those Psalms because of this section right here. And so the obedience of Jesus to his father and of course, the message and the righteousness. And um, in verses eight through 10, we see that theme of righteousness. The theme of Jesus's whole life really was this whole idea of here I am, I have come to do your will. We see that in Hebrews chapter 10. And it's because of the obedience of Jesus, even to the point of death, that those who trust in him, as we trust in him, we are made holy. And by holy, I mean spiritually pure and blameless and set apart for God's purposes. So God can now put his laws in their hearts and their minds. And so for that reason, every follower of Christ has to affirm these words of Christ in our own lives. This whole idea of here I am, I have come to do your will. And and so as we are, you know, we talk about when I'm talking about other people in scripture, we're talking about David or we're talking about, you know, Gideon or whoever it is. Um, I say that we, sh- those, some of those things are descriptive, not prescriptive, except when it comes to Jesus, the goal is to become more like Jesus. So when it's talking about Jesus, it is prescriptive. And so what we see this, this posture of his heart where he's saying, here I am, I've come to do your will. That should be the prayer of our heart as well. This desire to do God's will. That's the whole point of the Christian life is the desire to do God's will. And so verse eight, it says, I desire to do your will. Oh my God, your law is within my heart. That law that we couldn't measure up to, that was a written law in the Old Testament. Once Jesus was the final sacrifice, and of course now that we're under the new covenant in the New Testament, that means that that law is now written on the edges and the shelves of our heart. And so as we desire to do God's will, of course, again, just like in the Old Testament, that law, it's it's too hard for us to do on our own. We're not going to measure up to that law. And so what that law does is it reveals our need for Christ. Because the only way we can be reconciled to God the Father to fulfill that law is through Jesus because Jesus was the only man, the only person that ever lived was that was able to fulfill the law. And so we can have access to God through Jesus 
because Jesus offers that to us, his life and his death and his resurrection. He is the one that, that paid that punishment for us, that, that we can still have access to the father because he became that sacrifice to reconcile us to him. And so when verse eight says that your law is within my heart, essentially it's talking about how God, those who follow God, um, really have truly have this law in their hearts that they have to this desire to obey God. And it's not just out of obligation, like, oh, that's what God wants me to do. I need to do it. It's an overflow of the heart in the sense that we obey because of love and devotion, because we trust God, because we know that he has the best plans for us. And so with this active kind of faith, it's, it's a delight to follow God's plans. It's not a dread. And, and I think the longer you are a believer, the more you lean into trusting who God is, you trust that he's a good father. And so there's a joy that comes from that because, um, when we make the effort to commit to God's word and to, to learn God's word and to even memorize God's word, we allow the Holy Spirit to apply that truth to our lives. And that, I'll tell you what, I, I see this with my daughter and my husband, where there's this sense of complete and utter trust in him, even when she doesn't necessarily like the rules or the outcome. And, you know, even, um, with young children, maybe you can relate, even, um, my husband's birthday was this week and we, he doesn't like cake. So we made him brownies instead, but she wanted, uh, you know, she likes these gummy sharks that we get from like the dollar general. She wanted these gummy sharks and we had to say no, because you're, we knew she was going to have brownies later. And, as much as she wanted those gummy sharks, she trusted us. And of course she wanted the blessing of being able to participate in the birthday, you know, brownies and all of that. But it's leaning into this idea of the, the father has a protective and loving heart towards the child. And when you can get to this place where you trust that, listen, it's hard. I know it's hard. I, especially if you grew up in a situation where your own father was not somebody that was trustworthy or loving. I get it. And it has taken me years to get to the place where I trust God. But now I'm so thankful for that relationship because I can lean into that call to obedience, knowing that he's trustworthy and he has something good. And most of the time when he says no, it's because he has something better planned. And if we can learn to understand and lean into that place of trust with him, it changes our whole dynamic when it comes to this understanding of obedience. So given that insight, I'm going to read Psalm 40 again. I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and he heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire. He set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and hear and fear and put their trust in the Lord. Blessed is the man who makes the Lord his trust, who does not look to the proud to those who turn aside to false gods. Many, O Lord my God, are the wonders you have done, the things you planned for us no one can recount to you. Were I to speak and tell of them, they would be too many to declare. Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but my ears you have pierced. Burnt offerings and sin offerings you did not require. Then I said, Here I am, I have come. It is written about me in the scroll. I desire to do your will, O my God. Your law is within my heart. 
I proclaim righteousness in the great assembly. I do not seal my lips, as you know, O Lord. I do not hide your righteousness in my heart. I speak of your faithfulness and salvation. I do not conceal your love and your truth from the great assembly. Do not withhold your mercy from me, O Lord. May your love and your truth always protect me. For troubles without number surround me. My sins have overtaken me, and I cannot see. They are more than the hairs of my head, and my heart fails within me. Be pleased, O Lord, to save me. O Lord, come quickly to help me. May all who seek to take my life be put to shame and confusion. May all who desire my ruin be turned back in disgrace. May those who say to me, Aha! Aha! be appalled at their own shame. But may all who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. May those who love your salvation always say, The Lord be exalted. Yet I am poor and needy. May the Lord think of me. You are my help and my deliverer. O my God, do not delay. Father God, we thank you that as we wait patiently for you, that you turn to us and you hear our cry. That as we find ourselves in seasons of waiting, that you reveal to us who you are and the great love you have for us. Lord, I thank you for the way that Psalm 40 even points forward to Jesus and your plan of redemption that we have through him. God, I thank you for the way that you pursue us because of your great love for us. And, and Lord, help us to understand that as we read through the Psalms, as we continue to just study your word, help us to recognize this thread of not just redemption, but great love that you have for us. That in our call to obedience, when we recognize that we cannot measure up to the law, we me- we understand that, that it's too much for us to do on our own, that we would turn to Jesus, that in, instead of guilt or shame, it would produce in us a great joy to know that you have made a way when there was no other way. God, I thank you. It's overwhelming sometimes to think of how good you are and how much you love us. So I I pray that that word would rest on the hearts of my friends today, that as they go throughout their day, they would recognize how much you love them. I thank you and praise you. Amen. Hey friends, I just want to let you know that we have lots of great resources for you in the She Hears shop. So if you are looking for something to do after you finish the She Hears Bible study, or even if you would like a Bible to go along with the Psalm study that we're doing, we have lots of note-taking Bibles and journaling Bibles. There's kind of something for everyone in there. And a new thing we put in the shop is something I love. I use it with my teenage daughters, is the real pretty Bible books of the Bible markers. So you, they're little tabs you put on the outside of your Bible and they help you easily be able to see and flip to different books of the Bible. It's so helpful like for church or when you're doing a Bible study to easily be able to see where you're going. So I pray all those things are resources that you will find helpful. And again, you can find those at shehears.org on the resources page. Hey friends, if this podcast helped encourage, empower, or equip you for God's call in your life, I would love it if you would head over to Apple Podcasts and leave me a review. That's the number one way you can support my show. You can also join our free Facebook community or Instagram page where I share inspirational tips, resources, and prayer throughout the week. Hey, I want you to know I'm praying for you this week. Know that you are loved, you are cherished, and you are His.